Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. So let's just try clapping at first. I'm going to count off one, two, three, four, and then we're going to clap on two and four. Ready? One, two, three, four, one, four. Okay. Okay. Keep on clapping. How many have sung the song Victory Chant before? You sung it? Okay. I want you to sing this with all of our heart. This time we're just going to clap as we sing it, and the kids are going to help lead it. Are you ready, kids? All right. Kathy, give us that note. Here we go. Hail Jesus, you're my king. You guys, all your ways. Okay, hold on a second. How many think the adults can do better? Come on, adults. You can do better than that, right? Something happens when we raise our voice and worship God. Do you believe that? When we lift our voices and praise and worship God, and not just quietly, but when we do it with all of our heart. Just follow these kids. They're singing with all of their heart. Join with us as we do it again. Let's try it again on four. One, two, three, four, one. Here we go. Hail Jesus. Hail Jesus, you're my king. Your life frees me to sing. Sounds good. I will praise you all my days. You're perfect in all your ways. Hail Jesus, you're my Lord. I will obey your word. I want to see your kingdom come. Not my will, but yours be done. Let's go up a key. Glory, glory to the Lamb. You take me into the land. We will conquer in your name. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. Hail, hail, line of Judah. Conquer in your name. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. Hail, hail, line of Judah.
Now that you know how to sing the song, we're going to give all of you an instrument to play with us. All right? Everybody on this side, you're going to follow what these kids do over here. Everybody on this side, you're going to follow what these kids do over here. So where's the people who are handing out the instruments? This side's already done. Oh, look at that. You've got a weapon in your hand. <laughs> An instrument, but it's a weapon to worship God with. Okay, <laughs> everyone got an instrument now. All right. So this side over here is going to follow Katie and this group of kids, and you are the one and three people. Ever on this side, you are the two and four people. Okay? So hopefully the two and four people can continue doing what we did when we clapped, all right? But we're not going to play the instruments when we sing through the first time. So put them down for now. And when you see the kids pick up their instruments, that when, that's when you pick up your instruments. Okay? They're, that is correct, Miss Jackie. That means do not play them yet. But you can use your other instrument, and that's your voice. Okay? And your hands. All right? So here we go. We're going to try it again. And this time we're going to use the instruments when I tell you. Ready? One, two, three, four. One, two. Three, four. Hail Jesus, you're my king. Good. Your life frees me to sing. I will praise you all my days. You're perfect in all your ways. Hail Jesus, you're my Lord. I will obey your word. I want to see your kingdom come. Not my will, but yours be done. Get your instruments now. Glory, glory to the Lamb. You take me into the land. We will conquer in your name. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How powerful you are. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. Go up a key now. Glory, glory to the Lamb. You take me into the land. Hail, powerful you are. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. And then together, how wonderful you are. Thank you, Lord.
Can we give our kids a round of applause? Didn't they do a great job worshiping the Lord? Pastor Eric, will you come and open up our service? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do something very special, though. I'd like Miss Jackie to come down here. All right, so kids, don't leave yet, because in a minute, we'll dismiss you. Um, so Miss Jackie is going to be having some surgery here in the near future. It was supposed to be uh, this coming week, but it's been postponed by a few weeks. But we're all gathered together, and the next several weeks services are going to be jam-packed and full and crazy, and this is important. And I thought, this is the morning that we really need to do this. And so I'm going to ask you kids, would you guys come around Miss Jackie, because we're going to pray for her for this surgery. She's going to be having some surgery on her shoulder. And we just want to pray for her. That I know she's going to be one armed for a while. Uh, for what is it? Four months? Six. Six months. So you know what that means? Everybody else has more work to do now in the church. All right. <laughs> so we're going to help Miss Jackie out over the next several months. But can we do this? The Bible says that it's okay for us to lay hands on people when we pray for them. So would you guys just stretch out a hand and touch Miss Jackie on her back or her shoulder? All right, and we're all going to pray. And you guys out there, you guys can stretch out a hand towards Miss Jackie as well. And let's just begin to pray. Jesus, we know you love Miss Jackie. And God, that you have great things in store for her. Lord, she's about to go into a season where she can't go quite as fast as she likes to go. But Lord, it's an opportunity for us to rally around her and to help her in her ministry and to be a blessing to her in her life. Lord, we pray for her medical team, that God, you have equip the right doctors at the right time, and that, Lord, this surgery would go incredibly well. Lord, we pray that, Lord, those muscles and tendons would attach the way that they're supposed to, that there would be no complications, and that, Lord, you would have your way and you would be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen. 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 All right. Kids, you know what time it is? Kids church. It's time for Kids Church. You can go with Miss Jackie. As all of our stage hands reset our stage, thank you guys. You guys can be seated for just a moment. Who's excited to be in church today? We're excited that you're here. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to have a great day today because God wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to your hearts and lives, and I'm excited about that. Now, we've got a ton of things going on. I just need to, this morning to focus in on just a few things. And you can read your bulletin to grab the rest of those events this morning. But in just a few weeks, uh, we're going to see uh, a couple of things change and transform. First off, this Wednesday, we have a brand new adult Bible study we're launching for the summer. Uh, and in fact, can you guys roll that video for us? Life is filled with divine opportunities, but we have to learn how do you recognize them and how do you seize them? You know, the Bible is just full of stories of people who were given a divine opportunity by God, but it was their response, their yes or their no, that would end up shaping their lives. For years, what I was doing was so conflicting with what my heart wanted to do. I've had a gratifying career, but I've gotten further and further away from Was now taken away. Not mean that all would be pleasant and hardships struggle. 
He meets human beings at the threshold of every open door. The magic of the open door is not the new circumstance or job or location or accomplishment. It's being with Him. It was in those times of prayer that God reminded me, man, I can take care of them and I love them more than you do. You know, we are making a difference. We are able to impact them for the better. When you hear those things, it makes all the hard work all worth it. I live for changing the world where I can have an effect and help other men find the same life that I've got to live. I'm always trying to be aware that God is watching me, but I'm serving it in Jesus' name. And when it's all finished and done with, I want him to say, well done. It is a divinely opened door, a door intentionally, thoughtfully, purposefully, deliberately opened by God himself. This door is symbolic of boundless opportunities, of unimagined chances to do good, to make your life count for eternity. An open door is the great adventure of life because it means the possibility of doing something that's actually useful to the God of eternity. I believe as crazy as things have become in our culture and in our community, that God is opening incredible doors of opportunity for the church. And I don't mean just as corporately, but you as an individual as well, at your workplace or your campus. So I'd highly encourage you to follow along in this Bible study. We'll be doing it here on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m., but it is also available to anybody who wants to follow along on Right Now Media, a free gift for you, from us to you. We have that information out in our foyer. We'd love to put that in your hands and follow along with us. Robbie just watched the first session this week. Was it not awesome? It was incredibly encouraging as we begin to see God open more opportunities for you to do incredible things for his kingdom and reach the lost. So I encourage you to follow us along in this Bible study with Right Now Media or be here at the church on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. A couple of things are coming up in the near future. In fact, in just two weeks, uh, we will be outdoors. We'll have our church picnic in two weeks. Uh, just under two weeks from today, we will have our first outdoor worship night on June 23rd. It's going to be a special missions-themed night. We'll have special guest speakers with us that night. We've got concessions that will be mission-themed. I'm not telling you any more than that. I mean, that's going to be a surprise. Come and check that out. All the concessions proceeds go to our missions team that's headed to Nicaragua. It's going to be a phenomenal time on June 23rd. And I'm excited for what God's doing and what he will do over the summer. But we need your help to make these things happen. You'll find out in the foyer is an opportunity for you to sign up and say, I'm going to serve somewhere this summer with the church and helping to make these services a reality. Uh, we need help with setup. Uh, tent, tables, chairs, all sorts of things. For the picnic, we've got things to sign up for. For uh, the regular outdoor worship services, we've got things to set up for. And so would you just look over that list out there and would you maybe pray about one area where you could serve, where you can give some extra time to help make a service possible? Here's what I think you're going to find. When you're willing to put more into a service, you'll get more out of a service. Amen. That's just the truth. There's something about when our worship costs us something. And if you're wondering, why are we doing this? Why do we go outside? Because maybe you're new to the church this year, and you're like, why are we going outside for a while? There's a few reasons for that, but I believe the strongest one is this. In our culture right now, darkness engulfs so much. I believe there is power when we worship and we preach over our city. 
I believe that there is something that happens in the spiritual we cannot see. It's not a fight that you and I have to fight. But as we worship and as we bring the word, I believe that there are battles going on above us. And I want people to have an opportunity to see God's church in our community. So I hope that you'll join us on this great adventure. Uh, a lot of things coming up. And this morning, I see that we've got the Dikeys here. They were over here. They, did, we already offended them and they left. Oh, no. Um, are, are, they're in the nursery. Oh, so they're here. Uh, Dustin will be, uh, they're walking in right now. Uh, Dustin will be uh, our special guest for our second Friday night worship night in July. There he is. Uh, and we're really excited for that night. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. So again, you've got that information in your bulletin. Uh, we do have the whole summer schedule of activities listed out in the foyer as well. You can pick up one of those sheets if you don't have one already. But you know what? We've done a lot of, of, of talking about things. I don't know about you, but I am ready to be in God's presence today. How about you? Okay, can you stand to your feet? Because we're about to go into worship. And I thought the kids did a phenomenal job. Did they not do awesome? Man, they prepped the service, guys. They were engaged and willing to go and press in. They set a great example for us this morning. Can we follow in the example that they set? Can we press into God's presence today? God, I believe that you are here in this house because your people have come and gathered together. Lord, your word says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there also. For the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this place. We welcome you here. And Lord, we need you in our life. We need you to engage with us, to challenge us, to transform us. God, we don't want to do life alone, and we don't want to get stuck in religion. God, we want to be head over heels in a love relationship with our Savior. Transform us today, Lord, as we worship you. May it be with a spirit of truth and with all of our hearts and minds. We lay down the things that weighed us down this week to take this time with you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said... Let's engage together. Spirit gave as one of eternal life. Aren't you thankful for the love of God this morning? God loves us so much. We're going to sing this song called Reckless Love. And I just want to encourage you to give your love to the Lord. Give your worship to Him as we sing it to Him. Thank Him this morning. Oh, it's 
place, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Glory to your name. In the book of Exodus, Moses asked God when he tells him to go free the children of Israel, tell me who you want is sending me. And this is what he says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you call me from generation to generation. Aren't you thankful that the same God is here with us today? And that same God is the great I am. If you have a need this morning, as we sing this song, the great I am, just reach out to the Lord and believe that God will meet that need this morning, whatever it is. want to be close, close to your side. Heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. Hallelujah. Holy, holy God. Great I am, who is worthy, none beside me, God Almighty, great I am. I want to be shake before you the demons run and flee at the mansion Jesus we call on your name there is no power in
The mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee. Oh, just call on the name of Jesus. He's the King of Majesty. There's no power in hell. None can stand before the power and the presence of the great. transition to the preaching of your word there is no greater honor and how precious is the weight of preaching the word of God Lord we need your word like never before in our life God open our eyes Lord, help us to humble ourselves before your word. That, Lord, like Saul on the road, he thought he knew what he knew. And this morning, maybe there are things in our life that we think we know, yet you have not yet spoken how we are to perceive or respond or react. We sing that you are the great I am, the mighty king. But the outcry of people humble ourselves before you and be willing to follow your lead. Nick, would you come to the platform this morning? Lord, as we transition to the preaching of your word, may we stay in a place of worship and have you in the center of our life. 
God's people said, amen. Hey, before you're seated today, before you're seated, we don't often do this. We don't have to do it every time. But the most important thing that we have is God's word. Can we just stand? Because we stand for worship. Can we just stand for the reading of God's word this morning? As we once again look at the life of Saul, his salvation and transformation. Best Nick, if he'd read the word for us this morning. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. Thanks, Nick. You can be seated this morning. Last week, we talked a little briefly about there's four meetings in the uh, salvation and transformation of Saul's life. Last week, we talked in depth about Saul's meeting with Jesus, and today, we want to pick up and talk about Saul's meeting with Ananias. For three days, Saul was blind, physically blind. He did not eat. He did not drink. And so what was he doing? Well, verse 11 tells us he was praying. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the autograph of the Holy Spirit upon a renewed heart. Is that not good? Prayer is the autograph of the Holy Spirit upon a renewed heart. So he prayed and he waited on Jesus's direction. He processed his encounter to praying. 
Saul had gone from praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, on believers of Jesus to now praying to Jesus to lead him. How cool is that? That's a transformation. Saul had gone from instead of trusting himself to now trusting the Lord and waiting on him to tell him or show him what to do because a realization had happened. The things I thought I knew, I don't really know. He thought he was serving God by responding the way he was, by persecuting the church. And remember those words written. He was, began to destroy the church. I just can't get over that phrase. Wow. He thought he knew, but he really didn't know. Paul had pray, Saul had prayed before. He was a devout religious Jew. But now his prayer life had absolutely changed from a religious checklist and a list of words to a broken, humbled heart reaching out to the heart of Jesus for answers and direction. When we don't know what to do, we ask the Lord and we wait and we keep putting one foot in front of the other. Prayer is about connecting your heart to his heart. It's not magical words that we pray that moves God's hand. It is a heart that prays that is humble before the king that moves the hand of God. Our prayer life should involve two parts. I'm not making this really simple. I'm not preaching a long message on this today. But it should have two parts to healthy communication. A part where we're speaking and a part where we're listening. For many in this room, you've got number one figured out. You know how to talk. But do you know how to listen for the voice of God? Do you know how to hear his correction, his guidance? Do you know, do you have that as a part of your prayer life? A time where you just stop. Stop telling God what he, what you think he ought to be doing and start listening for God on how we should be responding. It's an important part of our life that we need to have and we need to practice and work on. Here's the greatest part of this this morning. How did Saul get here? Well, some of it was his actions. He was, he was doing some things that were not good, not healthy. And some of it was God's action because he was the one, Jesus met him on the road, and he's blind because Jesus made him blind, physically blind. But can I tell you this morning, whether you are at this place in your life where you feel stuck and you can't move forward, whether you're confused, whether if it's by your own hand and your own decision, it's God's hand that puts you in this place, or it's a mix of the two, I want to tell you God has an answer and a direction for you if you will humble your heart and listen for him. But it takes a humbled heart to do that. God has a direction for your life this morning. 
So let's talk about the lessons from Ananias. Ananias, devout Jew, who was a believer in Jesus Christ. He had come to the faith. He was a part of the way. I love that, talking about Christian as the way. I just think that's such a cool, cool way to refer to the church, the way. Paul was coming to Damascus. He was available to do God some encouragement from the Lord. Thank goodness we have a God who encourages us. He walks with us. Here is Ananias, and he says, the word says he has a, a vision of Jesus. I wonder what he was doing in that moment. Wouldn't it be funny if he was praying? Like he had taken that time, he got up, was doing about his chores, he was praying. You know, he's experienced this newfound freedom in Jesus. I mean, I wonder what he was praying. I wonder if maybe he was praying, Lord, just give me one life this morning that I can touch, that I can impact for the kingdom. Give me one person that I can reach out to. Then Jesus shows up and goes, I got one guy. His name is Saul. Excuse me? <laughs> Not what I was praying for. Lord, show me who I can reach today. Verse 11 says this, The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tars- uh, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to the place, come place his hands on him and restore his sight. Jesus was so confident that Ananias would go. He told Saul beforehand, A guy named Ananias is going to come and pray for you. I'm so confident Ananias is going to show up here that I'm telling you first, Saul, it's going to happen. Then he goes to Ananias and goes, hey, I need you to go here to Straight Street and pray for Saul. God tells Ananias exactly what he's supposed to do. And then here's Saul, or sorry, here's Ananias. In verse 13, it says, Lord, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. Lord, not this guy, not, the, not this person. Not this guy. Don't send me here. Don't send me Don't send me to Saul, anywhere else but to this person. It's time to get real with the word of God this morning. Every one of us feels that way sometimes. There is no doubt in my mind, every person in here wants to see people get saved. There's no doubt. I have no no doubt about that. But we want God to send somebody else to certain people. Like, and if we're just really, really transparent with each other this morning, we want God to send us to what we think in our own mind as the clean sinners. Send us to the clean sinners, Lord. Send me to the people that look like me. Send me to the people that sound like me. Send me to people that already go to church. Send me to religious people that need a relationship with Jesus. Send me to the clean sinners, Lord. The problem with that is there are no clean sinners. See, sin in our minds has a scale. Sin's in God's eyes doesn't. It's lost and found. You rather know the king or you don't. But we have a hard time with that. 
Don't send me to that person or to that group. There was no reason for Ananias to go. He knew the character of this man named Saul. He had seen the destruction he was wreaking in the church and in the culture. He was tearing the church apart. He was imprisoning. And we know that if he was not a part of killing Christians, he endorsed it. And here he is, and I have no, he has no reason to go. There's no sign of any transformation. So where is Ananias at? He's responding to a place of fear. He's maybe afraid for his life. If I go there, I could get arrested. I could die. I could be torn away from my family. And maybe not only that, but my family could end up in jail. My kids, my wife. Maybe he was afraid of his lot for losing his life. I also believe that he's responding out of a place of anger. He's appalled by this guy's behavior. So he's angry. I'm not going to I'm not going to go reach Saul. This guy who's been tearing the kingdom of God down. There's no reason for him to go except one. Jesus called him to go. What about when God calls you to go? It's great when God calls us to someone and we feel like we can relate. It's tough when God calls us to someone who we can't seem to relate to. It's hard. We come from different worlds almost, like an almost an alien type relationship. How do we do that? How do we respond correctly? How do we respond not from a place of offending or offense that we're offended by people's behavior or decisions? How do we respond like God calls us to respond? Because God is sending us. Let's just put the rubber to my birthday. June's now known as Pride Month. All of a sudden, it's slapped in our faces everywhere we go. We're, we're invited into people's bedrooms. Uh, I'm like, it's awkward. Am I, am, I, am I not speaking the truth? It's awkward. It's weird. Um, it's crazy <laughs> that we've ended up here. Uh, American culture has... Ridiculous. It's so funny because some parts of the world where people used to long to come to America, they hear what's happening now and they're like, I have no desire to go. I don't want to go be a part of this. This is nuts. It's hard. It's difficult. And like you, I mean, I, I want to be clear and I want to try to express God's heart with the proper words this morning. When there is someone who is an adult and they have decided to make choices that I don't agree with or that I feel are not the best choices, 
or that don't uplift God, I can still respect their decision. And you might go, how can you do that, pastor? I'm not saying that I endorse the behavior, but I respect the decision because I believe God does. He gives us a choice whether or not we want to follow him, whether or not we want to be in his presence. Let me simplify it the best way I I know how, all right, with an illustration. Guys, remember when you were in junior high and you liked that girl in school? And so, you know, you tried to build a relationship and you really liked this girl. Maybe high school time comes around and maybe you, you're, like, you're like, you'd like to go on a date or court this girl or whatever it might be. And then she's like, she says the words that are detrimental to your heart. I just want to be friends. Uh, right? <laughs> like, oh, ouch. Okay. And so... If you really care about that person, you can respect that decision. It's not right for the guy to go, well, I'm going to go to the girl and I'm going to tell her, I love you and I'm going to make you love me. That's not right. That's crazy. In fact, if you truly loved someone, you would have, if you loved someone and they're like, I don't want this relationship, If you loved them, you'd be willing to let go. And that's where God's at. For our entire lifetime, he is chasing us down. He is bringing the flowers and the roses. He's knocking on the door. He's saying, I'm interested in you. I want a relationship with you. I want to spend time in your presence. I want you to spend time in my presence. I want the best things for you. And if you reject that and reject that and reject that and reject that, then when your life comes to an end, you chose that you did not want to spend time with God, God will honor and respect that decision. And we will spend eternity apart from him because he will not force his presence into our lives. But our lives aren't done being written yet and neither are the people in our culture. There are a lot of people who think they're trying to do the right thing right now. There are a lot of people trying to fill a void in their life. And they have stuffed it full of things that are bringing more confusion and more hurt and more loss, and they don't even realize it. And like you, I I get mad and angry sometimes. Like, I hate the fact that right now our kids are just, like, the culture is bombarding them with these sexual messages and identity messages, and you can choose what gender you are and all all this crazy stuff. I could fill that word in with, and I will go to battle for our But how we respond, church, is important. And I believe the enemy is trying to set the church up for failure. Because what the enemy would love to see us do is respond to the culture and the things that are happening out of a place of anger and frustration and offense. But can I tell you, the Spirit of God does not function and flow in those things. And I'll be honest, this week I just got to the end of my rope with this whole thing. And I was like, just, I'm just being real with you. And I'm like, Lord, it's exhausting. 
It's exhausting to lead in a culture like this. It'd be so much easier to just retire from ministry and let somebody else figure all this stuff out because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead. But I hear the voice of God calling, prepare the way for the king. And look, I know a lot of you, a lot of you, and I know it's frustrating. We got to have vent points. I know a lot of you are like, we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do all these things. But I hear the voice of God calling us to pray. Like hearing them calling us to a place of saying, do not respond out of expectation. Do not respond out of a place of anger. Do not respond out of a place of frustration. What I need you to do is I need you to be like Ananias and respond out of a place of obedience. That is where God is calling us, church. He's calling us to go and reach people that are hard for us to reach because he died for them. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how to do it all. It's a culture I'm not a part of. I don't, I'm not struggled in that area, so I'm, 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 I'm lost so the first thing I do is I need to realize i got to humble self myself before God and go, I don't have all the answers. So I'm going to take myself and a couple of our staff, and we're going to go get trained this fall by people who have come out of this type of lifestyle, who have found Jesus. How do you connect? How do you reach? How do you love on somebody that's lost in this lifestyle? Because church, it's just not off somewhere else. It's here. And we have to be the representation of Christ to our community. But what I can tell you this morning is there's some things found in the scripture that we absolutely can apply to anybody we're trying to reach for the kingdom. Number one, we should never be afraid to obey God's will. Other people who say that they're followers of Christ say, you can't reach them, you can't love them, you can't spend time with them. But if God tells you to do something, you better follow God and not follow man. We're quickly becoming one of the only churches left in our community that is preaching the word of God. It breaks this pastor's heart. You can't follow the church if it's going against what God is asking you to do. And I speak this from a place, if I ever lose my way, follow God and not me. Do you understand? It's him. It's him. We must follow him. God is calling us to a deeper place. 
It's amazing that when we see the new church, the birth of the church, they come and it's birth out of a place of chaos and a place of all sorts of cultural obstacles and darkness. Yet the church did not shrivel and die. It expanded and grew and was empowered by God. We now face that again in this generation where darkness is covering our country. The church is called to rise. And the best days of the church are not behind us. Church, they are in front of us. We are still victorious in Jesus. And God's not done winning souls to the kingdom. That should have absolutely gotten an amen. Just saying. That's the most important thing I've said this morning. He is not done winning people into the kingdom. How did Ananias treat Saul? Something happened between that prayer time with Jesus and walking to Straight Street. There was an encounter with the Holy Spirit in Ananias' heart. Because where once there was fear, where once there was hatred, where once there was anger, when he shows up at the door, he says, Brother Saul... The person he is offended with is now a person that he says, Brother Saul. And it was not lip service. How do I know that? Because he just didn't say he was his brother. He treated him like a brother. Because when he goes to pray for him, it's not from across the room. It's not at a distance. He stands face to face. And now it's formed. So was Ananias. I can see beyond your sin. I see the man God sees. Do we have the courage to pray for that kind of heart? To not see the sin, to not focus on the sin, but to see the hurting woman or the hurting man behind the sin who needs Jesus. Because in that place, we will respond the right way. Folks, can I tell you something? This whole thing, whole thing with LGBTQ movement, it's not about sex. The best, I know it's a crazy illustration to spray in this morning. It's like a carrot. When you see a carrot growing in the ground, you don't see the carrot. What do you see? the top. You know what the church wants to do? We want to go mow the carrots, like this world, take off that green part. You're fixed. Amen. God loves you. Great. The problem is, is we've not dealt with the carrot. We've dealt with the top piece. We gave the carrot a haircut and we want to give our culture a haircut. Let's just take the cut off the hair. That doesn't change a heart. The issue is not the sexual stuff. The issue is that there is a broken, hurting person in there who has been damaged, who has been abused, who has been left, who has been wanting something, some type of fulfillment they can't find anywhere in culture. But it can be found in Jesus. Not make-believe Jesus, and I'm sorry, I might offend somebody, not TV Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus Jesus, Jesus, 
the real deal person who I've got a living relationship with. And how do I know it's possible? Because he's changed my life and he's changing my life. Church, we got to get wrecked by God. We got to get wrecked. Because at the beginning of the story, Saul isn't the only one that's blind. Saul was blind spiritually, and then he was blind physically. But can I tell you, Ananias was blind too. Because he couldn't see the man that God saw. Until God got a hold of Ananias' heart. We got to learn how to love on people, respect people. And that does not mean that we endorse their behavior or that we endorse their politics. It means that we see a person We acknowledge their pain, and we begin to figure out a way through the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus into their life and to be a representation to Jesus. Everybody talks about how militant some of these groups are now, and you're right, they are. The devil wants the church to respond the same way. Just amp it up, amp the anger up, amp the volume up, get louder, yell, scream, and everything else. But can I tell you, I don't think that's the answer. The answer is to walk in the room and allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead. Sometimes we're so quick to talk, so quick to vocalize, so quick to have an opinion that we miss the whispering of the Holy Spirit to give us a vision of the situation and the circumstances we're facing from a totally different perspective. This last week I had an encounter with somebody. It was a God thing. I can't share the whole story just because we don't have time. But because of the the way that we are have done things in the community, we have a great reputation in our community. And when this individual was talking to somebody in our community that does not go to church, and they were asking about a church, they said, you know, if you want to go to a church, you should go to Hillside Assembly. Because <laughs> that's in loving God. My I'm not I'm not a smart person. <laughs> okay. Comes in, they just wanted a place to play piano. They're traveling from Chicago, they're up here on vacation. And they came, incredibly smart, was Jewish, wanted to play piano. I said, absolutely. We started having a conversation. We ended up having conversations for two days. Because as he began to ask a question, why are you in ministry? And all of a sudden, I heard just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you aren't as smart as this man. But share your story. And I began to share that I'm in ministry today. Because I can never pay back what God has done. I'm in ministry because I'm thankful. And I want to be a part of what he does. And I said a phrase that you've probably heard if you've attended church. I said, it just amazes me that my God would die for me. This man is older than I am. He had never heard it. Church, I know sometimes we think everybody's heard the gospel. Everybody's heard the message. They haven't. And we think, well, that person already goes to church. Let me tell you something. When somebody tells you they go to church, that doesn't mean much anymore. I'm just being honest. It means they go to a building. That does not mean that they know Jesus or that they've ever heard the word preached. I didn't get to reel in the fish, but can I tell you something this week? I opened a door that I wasn't even aware of. It wasn't even me speaking anymore. 
I want that for you. I want that for you. Church, God is doing something. This is special. This is special. What we have here, what he's been doing. And he's not done. Great things are still to come, amen? Amen. Robbie, Adrian, if you'd come and get ready. I had a four-point sermon. That's only two points. I'm not going to keep you here long. But these two things are important before we walk away today. Number three, God's, God's works are always balanced. God balances great public miracles with quiet meetings in a house. Saul's on the road to Damascus. There is a huge, man, I mean, blowout thing. Saul's the only one that saw it. Everybody else just thought he, Saul was out of his mind. They heard something, kind of saw something, but like they're, we don't know what's going on with our buddy. He's lost his, he's lost his mind. You know, yeah, absolutely, big public event. God then matched that up with something behind closed doors on a small house at Straight Street. God works in both the big and the small, and they are both needed in our life. Don't ever think, because God didn't show up and throw a parade or a party, that what he did is no less important or powerful. Saul was blinded in a big public event. He gained his sight in private. Which would you rather have? Blindness in public or to be able to see again in private? God is a balanced God. And finally is this, never underestimate the value of just one person coming to Christ. If everything we do this season, everything that we do, all the work and all the effort that we put in, the blood, sweat, tears, and prayer just impacts one life. It is well worth every resource and every time every amount of time that we have put into it. Ananias was just one man that nobody had heard of before. Person in the church outside of Jesus because he reached. And I love the fact, here we see Ananias, or Saul, or he, gets, he gets saved, he has this experience, he sees, and then he's like, I'm hungry. And it doesn't tell us this, but who fed him? Can I tell you, I know it was Ananias. And then it says, Paul's like, I got to get baptized. I was like, I got to get baptized. I got to declare to people around me, I have had a transformation by Jesus. Do you ever wonder who was the person that baptized him? I think it was Ananias. Church. It's just not about bringing somebody to Christ. It's about walking with them afterwards. And that's what we're called to do. As God did it once, way back over 2,000 years ago, in the building of the church, coming out of a culture that was so difficult, so hard, so oppressive, The church arose, it moved, it had power, it grew. So may God do it again. 
Robbie, Adrian, would you just lead us? We started this morning with worship. Let's stand to our feet again. Let's worship God one more time as we sing this song about God, would you do it again? Would you do it again? Can that be our prayer? Lord, what you did back in Acts, may it come to fruition again in Ripon and our surrounding communities. Would you do it again? Robbie, Adrian, lead us this morning.
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. Still in your hands, this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. You've never failed me yet. I never will forget. You've never failed me yeah I never will forget Adrian Robbie I'm going to ask you guys to join me right down here we're going to pray for you this morning as we close our service this is all going somewhere next week we're picking right up where we're leaving off today it's all going to culminate in this really cool time together with us next week. God's not done working. The key for today is God's calling us to obedience. And that means sometimes stepping into some scary things, some, some crazy things. Both of these men that stand beside me are men that I have watched be obedient to God in difficult times in their life. And I have watched God bless them for their obedience. Church, if you're here this morning and you would say to God, I'm willing to humble myself. And Lord, I'm just wanting to obey. Wherever that takes me, whatever needs to change inside me, I'm willing to be like Ananias and obey. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Because we're going to pray over you. Guys, if you just stretch out hands in a one accord, we are just going to begin to pray. Lord, there is no greater honor. There is no greater thing in all the universe than someone coming to you as their Savior. And you have called the church to partner with you in taking that message. Lord, we pray over our people this morning. And God, may they face things that are challenging and hard, sometimes offensive, as we meet people that can be difficult and not, not be like we are, whether in, in personality or in lifestyle choices. Lord, to respond first by hearing your voice and then being obedient to you, how can I respond? Lord, I pray for wisdom and discernment for our people. When we are meant to speak, that you would empower us with the words to say. And when we are to keep our mouth closed, it is not a sign of defeat, but a sign of obedience. There are times where our mouths get us into deep trouble. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that, God, we walk around with a clamp that only you can loosen and tighten. And when we are meant to be still, you would close our mouth. And we would pray in our spirit. 
Lord, every person in this building today and watching online, you are positioning them right where they need to be in the exact moment that they need to be there. And sometimes those are difficult places. But God, in those moments, may we remember what you did through the heart of Ananias. To be able to see Saul, not as a threat, not as an offense, but to call him brother, to lay hands and pray with passion, to love and disciple after his transformation and conversion to Christ. Lord, may we be that type of people. May we not say it's someone else's responsibility. It is our responsibility to seek your face, to love our neighbors, and to be a representation of the gospel. Lord, we pray over our offering this morning. May you bless those who give. Lord, with what comes in, may it go further than we ever thought possible to do the work of the kingdom of God. And Lord, this next week, God, make us true disciples of the King. Whatever doors you open, may we walk through, not in fear, but in faith, knowing that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has put us right where we need to be when we need to be there. And God's people said, amen. Amen. I love our church. Do you love our church? Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. I think Robbie might jump on the piano just so as we're leaving, but you can give your offering in the giving box out there in the foyer. We'd love to connect with you. I know a lot of you are sticking around for our meeting uh, today for department heads uh, and leaders meeting. That will be in the, in, the, in the, what room are we meeting in, my wife? The lounge. It's in the lounge in just uh, probably 15 minutes. Uh, we'll meet over there. Uh, but guys, have an amazing, terrific day. Go love on somebody. Go love on somebody and show them Jesus. Amen?